Welcome to the Wild and Well podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hilary Clare, a clinical psychologist, holistic parenting mentor with a focus on nutrition and environmental medicine, a yogi, author, and mom of two wild boys. Here, we will delve into the big and the little things that move the needle for children's health and mental wellness in a modern world that doesn't always make it easy to do so. Together, we can nurture resilient kids, vibrant mothers, and a brighter future for the planet and the next generation. Let's get into it. In today's episode, I am talking to Dr. Emma Nagy, and we are having a conversation all about how we can create a dreamy postpartum and how we can keep our mental health strong during this massively transitional time of entering motherhood. So who is Emma? Well, she is a mom of two boys. She's the founder of My Lighter Way. And within this, she has a program, My Lighter Motherhood, where she teaches expecting mothers how to prepare themselves for the newborn stage and how to protect their mental health as they go through this time. She also has her PhD in mental health promotion, and she has over 13 years of experience as a researcher in the health field. So she is just as passionate as I am about helping mothers have the most amazing postpartum and motherhood experience. It is so lovely to chat to other people who are just as excited about helping mothers to have a greater time during this hugely, like I said, hugely transformational time, but it can be a challenging time. It can be a vulnerable time, but if we have the right supports and strategies in place, it can also be a magical time. It can be one where we are present and we grow instead of one that burns us out. So I, I'm just so excited to bring this conversation to you because if we have more mothers that are having that experience of being as ready as they can be and having strategies to take care of themselves and their mental health before they have their babies or before they have their second or third or fourth babies, then everything will change. That mother will have a different experience. Their children will have a different experience. And that will just have an incredible ripple effect. If mothers are taking care of themselves and valuing themselves, everything is easier and everybody wins. So this is a chat you're going to want to listen to, even if you don't want to have any more kids, because what we talk about are strategies that anybody can implement. And ideally, you learn how to take care of your needs and prioritize yourself and all the other strategies we talk about here before you really, really need them. And those early months of motherhood, you really need those strategies. But the second best time to learn them and implement them and remind yourself of them is right now, wherever you are on your journey of motherhood and your journey of life. These are strategies that are universal. So we talk about all this and we also 
talk about how to create a positive pregnancy and birth experience. So if you are interested in having more kids or you're pregnant right now, or you're a soon to be mom, listen up for this near the end of the conversation, because it's so key. Emma shares so many great strategies that you can apply during pregnancy to embrace birth and not be scared of it, but be fully present for it in whatever way that looks for you. So I know that you're going to love this chat. Emma is incredibly lovely and generous with all the knowledge and skills that she shares here. Enjoy the chat. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am talking to Dr. Emma Nagy, all about how we can prepare for a dreamy newborn stage, those postpartum months, how we can make these as optimal as possible. I am so excited to talk to you, Emma, about this topic. It is such a massive life change that I didn't realize was going to be such a big change before I went through it. And now I am so passionate about helping other mothers, soon-to-be mothers, understand more about this stage and prepare themselves for it. So I cannot wait to talk to you about this. But before we do, can you just tell us one thing that you've done today that was just something for you, something you did to nourish yourself and take care of yourself? Mm, I like that question. I'm like, a few things came to mind. So I'm going to pick one. And it was this morning after I dropped off my kids to school and daycare. So it was like my first time alone in the house for the day. I went upstairs to my room. And even though I'm working from home today, I put makeup on just to feel, you know, uplifted. And while I was doing it, I was listening to just like an affirmation track on YouTube. And it just felt like such a good way to start my day. And it was just like totally just for me. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So many layers to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> True. I find when I work, I work from home almost all the time and it is important to put on like a nice shirt that you like and maybe put on some mascara and feel good if that's what feeling good is for you. It, just because you're working at home doesn't mean that you don't do those things because you're doing them then for you rather than for somebody else. Totally. Yes. Just for me. And yeah, I'm not even seeing anyone. Well, I'm seeing you, you know, virtually, but it just is, that's one of those things for me that I do feel, you know, more vibrant or something when I take that time to get ready and like go into my closet and be like, Ooh, like, what do I want to wear today? And I chose something that like, I wore like these like red pants and I'm just like, I normally wouldn't wear that at home, but I just felt like it today. I love that. So can you share a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So I am a mom of two little boys right now. They are four and two years old. And I am the founder of My Light Away, which is my business that supports moms from a mental health and mindset perspective in pregnancy and postpartum. I have a signature program that I offer through uh, my business called My Light of Motherhood, and it really sets up moms to really do a lot of what we're going to be diving into today is 
protect their mental health as they go into the newborn stage because it is such a vulnerable time and help themselves find more lightness through the challenges that most of us tend to face in the newborn stage so that we get to enjoy it because it is a vulnerable time, but it is so possible to also be able to enjoy it. And even in the midst of, you know, figuring out life with a baby and I just want more moms to have a better experience. And um, my background is I have a PhD in mental health promotion. So I've really taken a preventive approach to poor mental health in my career and also learning what boosts our mental health. And I've been in, I've been a mental health researcher now for the past uh, 13 years. Well, health researcher in general, but really focused on mental health in a lot of what I do. So I love to bring that background and infuse it into my work with my lighter way. Um, and well, as well as the personal growth and mindset lens as well. That's really interesting because there's so many people in this space who work more from a reactive place. So I love prevention. I've always been really passionate about prevention. And it sounds like obviously you are too, since that's what yeah. you did your PhD in. And that's what your program is about, right? It's not about, okay, now you're having a hard time. What do you do? It's about how do we make this a lovely experience for you? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of takes it from both angles because I'm not like a counselor. I'm not a therapist, you know, like I always encourage moms who are struggling to go and see one, or even if you're not, just that's an amazing part of your kind of health team to have. But I really love to focus on the preventive pieces. And then also some things that I teach moms to do, you know, like through the emotion, the postpartum emotions and, you know, sleep deprivation, like the things that we tend to find challenging in the newborn stage. I also do like to help them feel better. So, you know, that's like that early intervention approach as well. If, you know, if they do experience struggles during those things as well, because prevention, you know, the research shows there are things we can do to prevent poor mental health in the newborn stage, but we're so complex. And, you know, there are so many things that go into our mental health that we can't prevent it hundred percent. So, you know, to help fill the gap too, for the moms who don't necessarily prevent poor mental health. I also like to help them, you know, know what to do in those moments too, as they do things like seek extra support, you know, there might be a wait time for that. And we know early intervention is better. So that's kind of the approach that I take through my work. I love that. Yeah. And often there is a huge wait for finding a therapist or a counselor, a coach, whatever it is that you want to find. And even not only are there wait lists, but there's also that time of trying to find the right fit. And you can end up going through a couple mm-hmm. different people trying to find who works for you. So having those pieces in place that you can access at that time when people are feeling potentially quite vulnerable is very important. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then I think that's so important to find someone who is a good fit for you and that you resonate with and connect with because then it's like truly like magical what you can accomplish with a counselor or a therapist or anyone really who's in a supportive role for you. Like I'm also thinking like a midwife or a doula, like if you have some kind of say in that, I know you don't always, but it can definitely make the process more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. So what drew you to working specifically with mothers and soon to be mothers preparing for birth and those early months of motherhood? I understand mm-hmm. from your background that you're working in preventative space and mental health, but why the motherhood piece? Mm. Yeah, that 
it's really interesting looking back. And I don't think I've actually done this until you just asked me this question right now. But when I became a mom myself, that's when I really became more interested in, you know, this population and supporting moms. And it just feels just so close to home for me because becoming a mom is one of the greatest like gifts and things that I've been able to experience in my life. So I love, you know, just like helping more moms enjoy it. But as I look back, I'm like, oh, I can see how little seeds were planted before I even had kids. Like I think back and, you know, in grad school, I remember looking at the impact of, you know, parents' social networks and their social resources on their children's health, you know? So I've like kind of, I started looking into the child parent dynamic and how, you know, how that leads to better or worse health back in grad school. And then in my, uh, in my work in a public health setting, I worked on the maternal and child health team for a while and really did a lot, like some deep dives into things like the common challenges moms experience when breastfeeding and like all the different recommendations through pregnancy and postpartum to be as healthy as possible. So that really just like piqued my interest too. And then when I became pregnant, I just love learning anyway. So I just like did such a deep dive into pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and it just kind of fell into place from there. Well, we seem like-minded because I too just can't get enough of learning. My husband is often saying, aren't you just tired of reading books about parenting and psychology and health and listening to podcasts about it? And no, no, I never am. (laughs) Just want more and more and more. (laughs) I know. I love that. I love that you can totally relate on that sense. And I'm sorry if you can hear in the background, I just, um, my brother's dog is here today and she is being a bit whiny. So I'm so sorry if you can hear. No, that's okay. Dogs are allowed here. So you were saying that you're pregnant and you started reading all about pregnancy and birth and like beyond that, but it is really common. It seems in our society that when people become pregnant, they focus so much on birth. Some people have very detailed birth plans. And yet they think very little about postpartum plans or postpartum almost at all, other than having like the nursery and all the things, but not the actual experience of it and the preparation for it mentally. Why do you think that is? Why in our society do parents focus so much on birth, but think so little about what happens next? One of my kind of ideas about why that could be is like birth in and of itself is this big event where we've experienced nothing like it before. We're not super connected with our bodies as a society too. So I think we also have a lot of fear about, you know, like our body is going to be going through this big thing and I need to prepare for that. So I think that's you know, I'm sure there are a few, there are many other reasons, but those are top of mind for me of like why we prepare for birth so much. And then, you know, we think of what else is new in that stage. Okay. The baby, like, obviously we have, we haven't had a baby before. Now we have a baby or we're going to have a baby. What are the things that we need? So we really are just focused on, I think those two elements of newness and like there was a two big things that are going to happen to us. We're going to give birth and we're going to have a baby. And I think why we don't focus on postpartum as much, well, I think there are a few different reasons, actually. 
I think because it comes later after those two big things, it might seem like over information overload to like be thinking too far down the line. Um, but I also just think as a society, um, we just that's just not been the norm to prepare in that way. And I think we're like we're social creatures. So it's like if it's normal for us to prepare for birth, it's normal for us to prepare prepare for baby but it's not normal for us. It's not really talked about. It's not really taught to us about how to prepare for postpartum beyond maybe like some of the basics, like physically recovering from birth or like the suggestions, like have a meal train, like have people deliver you food, like those kinds of things beyond that. It's just not talked about. So I think people aren't seeking out this information, like pregnant people aren't thinking, oh, like I should prepare for this because it maybe doesn't even enter their minds. I've talked to so many women when I tell them what I do um, about preparing emotionally for postpartum. And they're like, that wasn't even on my radar. And so many moms I've talked to were like, that wasn't even on my radar. And so they weren't, they're not looking out for that information. They're not seeking it out. And that's what I really hope is going to change um, because it's such an important time to be preparing for. It's like the start of like the rest of our lives with our babies. It's known to be a vulnerable time on our mental health. Like it's just a fact at this stage. So if there are ways that we can make it easier on ourselves, ways we can protect our mental health so we actually get to enjoy our new babies, right? Like that needs to be more of the forefront. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing that message. It is such an important message. And it is one that I think you're absolutely right that we do focus on the birth and those physical things for having a baby, like, okay, birth and baby, but it, maybe it is information overload and that that is just the norm in our society, like you say, so we don't consider it. Do you find that that is hard working in that space? Because your message is so important. And if only we could work to get prepared for this life-changing experience, it would be so much better. It would be so much easier. We could enjoy it and embrace it so much more. Yet you're saying like you keep talking to these women that they don't even realize that they need that at that stage. And it's, I assume, more likely people that are already moms saying, oh my goodness, I wish I had that. What do you do? How do you approach that with people and not convince them? Well, maybe it is convincing because they don't know what's to come because we don't know what's to come. Totally. It feels kind of like, I don't know, like shining a light in the dark. It's like, and it's like creating a new path forward. And I just like have this vision of moms who are interested in, you know, their own emotional well-being that they value them. Like so many moms out there do value their health, which includes their mental health. And I just think it's kind of like you said, it's like they don't really know necessarily to look for something like this because it hasn't existed. I know I would have jumped on this just being me and like loving, like <laughs> loving this kind of um, work. And I just loved preparing for baby in all the ways. I would have loved that. So I think it's a matter of like people like you, people like me who know the value of something like this, just sharing it more and more and more. 
And, you know, there are some moms who've, you know, taken my program, for example. And I'm like, those people are kind of like the leaders, right? Like they're like doing something new and different because they just feel like it's going to benefit them. And then that's, I think, the ripple effect of that. It's going to like start to, you know, spread more and more. Because I have like former clients who are like, now I tell this to like all my pregnant friends that they need to do it because it's made such a big difference for me, right? And I think the more moms know that it's even a possibility for them to prepare themselves emotionally for like one of the most emotionally vulnerable times of their life, I think that's going to be really helpful. And I think also, because I've also had clients who are moms already and they use the second pregnancy to prepare themselves and work on their own self-connection and their own emotional resilience and emotional intelligence. Um, So I think moms already who see the value in this can also help. Like it's kind of like creating a new movement, right? A new way of preparing. Yeah. And that comes from the moms in this case, right? We have to role model and show a new way. And I think people will pick up on that when they see mothers out there really enjoying that time. People are going to get curious and they're going to ask them, what are you doing that I'm not doing? And they're going to want to know. And maybe they're going to make changes in that moment. Or like you said, maybe they're going to make changes second time around. Yeah, it starts there. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this because it's absolutely needed. There's so much um, struggle, so much postpartum depletion, anxiety, depression, so many just struggles that maybe don't have a label to them that happen Mm -hmm. postpartum that just aren't necessary. And while they are common, that doesn't mean that they're normal and it's just part of the process. It just happens to be really common, which is really unfortunate. And you talked there about how people are using your work to prepare for a second baby, obviously going into motherhood a second time or a third time or a fourth time can be, it's, it's a different experience, right? The newborn stage is obviously different when you already have kids. So what can moms do to support their mental health and have this incredible, peaceful newborn stage when they have kids around? Mm. I really like that question. And I feel like I was kind of like my own guinea pig in this. Um, I was, I always say I'm like my, I was my first client um, because the second time around, what I did was really deep dive into my own self-development, my own personal growth, and just really my own self-connection. And like what that looked like for me was like, you know, taking personal growth classes and, you know, learning new skills. Um, But also just the little things in the everyday. And I think this is so important as a mom, especially if you have kids already, but even if you haven't, this is something so important to integrate from the beginning is just our own connection with ourselves and prioritizing doing even just the tiniest little things um, in our day for us to fill us up and to actually just take you know the time to answer like, what do I want right now? What do I need right now? What would feel good right now? What do I really think about this? Like asking us, like it's literally just increasing your uh, self-connection. And I really like the question you asked me at the very beginning of like, what have I done just for myself today? Because when you stack 
that over time, I think it's incredibly powerful as a mom because when you're self-connected, when you're in tune with, that looks like, you know, in tune with what you want, what is going to help you feel good in the moments that are stressful, in the moments where you aren't feeling good, you know what to do to help yourself. When that stacks over time and that's just your way of being, I think, A, that improves our own well-being so much in the day-to-day from moment to moment. And it also has a really powerful ripple effect on our children because they grow up modeling that for, you know, and doing that themselves. And I'm just like, ah, that is so amazing in a world where even children's mental health issues are like increasing. So I'm like, how can we create a new movement of moms who take care of ourselves emotionally, are self-connected, value our own health, our own joy, our own happiness. We get to just like model that to our kids and they're little sponges. So they're just going to do it more naturally. You know, it's not something we're necessarily going to have to consciously teach them. Yeah. I got those like chills when you were saying that, because I agree so much that we are their role models, right? If we don't do it, we can't tell them to take care of themselves. We have to show them and they just need to see that for as long as possible. So if we're doing that while we're pregnant, then we're likely to do it when we have the newborn, right? Then when we have the three-year-old and the five-year-old and the 25-year-old and they'll just know. And yeah, I think it's so important. One of the messages that I try to scream from the rooftops is that moms do need to prioritize themselves. And Mm -hmm. I think that we can forget about that. But if we decide and figure out why we want that, And if it is to model that to our kids, there is real motivation in that, isn't there? So much motivation and even a bigger purpose beyond us. And what you just said about, you know, I just so admire and respect that you yelled that from the rooftops about moms prioritizing themselves. I'm like, yes, like I'm so just, yes, like that is the life that we, that's just like the world that we need to live in because it is just so impactful on our kids. And even while we were chatting, I was thinking it's not even just like, like it is the things we do for ourselves, the things we, you know, the way we treat ourselves. It's like those outward actions. Like I was saying, like for me, it was putting on makeup today. It was like listening to affirmations. It was like having a hot coffee, but it's also the internal way that we treat ourselves. It's like how we speak to ourselves in our mind and we all have an inner critic. And that's something I've been really focusing on lately. It's like, like just noticing how I think, you know, how I talk to myself and inviting like more kindness in because that's something else I really want for my kids is to, you know, be compassionate about themselves and like validate themselves and, um, you know, just, yeah, just do that. And something else when you were talking was around guilt. So many of us moms feel guilty for prioritizing ourselves. And then we end up, you know, in the little micro moments of the day, we're like, oh, I'm not going to do that for myself now because, you know, I should be doing this or like, and the guilt pops in you're like, you think that the guilt is a sign that you shouldn't be doing something for yourself. Like you shouldn't take that girl's weekend. You shouldn't go out, you know, for dinner with your best friend. Like you shouldn't do X, Y, Z. 
But I think what you said about, you know, the bigger purpose here and like when you root into your values of like, oh, I actually value prioritizing myself because it has like a bigger purpose. That is something that I actually teach my clients about around reducing guilt. Guilt will pop in, but when guilt pops in and if it's related to doing something for yourself, like root back into your values you know, notice the guilt, be like, okay, this guilt's telling me like, what's the message inside of the guilt? And then oftentimes it's, okay, I'm feeling guilty about this because I've been conditioned to think that I should, I should sacrifice or I shouldn't prioritize myself, but I'm going to root back into my own values here. And we each have our own set of values as a mom. And for your listeners, I think it's such a powerful thing, no matter what stage of motherhood you're in to get clear on your values and you can even come up with like two or three core values that you can always just kind of live by. And one of them for me is prioritizing like my, my health and happiness. And when I root back into that, the guilt just is a non-issue and I just get to make a decision from a values place rather than a more fear-based place. I think that's a really important thing and having that awareness around emotions because oftentimes we don't even recognize what we're feeling and we just react. So Mm -hmm. even that first step of noticing, oh, I'm feeling guilt and then getting curious about what that is and connecting with your values to see, is this something that actually sits with me in the right way that I want to listen to and I want this guilt to guide me? And if it is aligned with your values in some certain way, because sometimes guilt is helpful and does tell us something useful. Great. And you can learn from it. But in this case, you're saying like when it's connected to you taking care of yourself, likely the guilt is, it's not really yours. It's more like society's messaging uh, um, and us or you internalizing those beliefs that like I should feel guilty if I want to prioritize my own well-being. And it's so important that you're looking at that and differentiating because then you get to choose what do I want to do here? I don't just have to react from this place of feeling guilty. So that is such a big thing that, yeah, if we all did that, this world would be a very different place. It's so empowering to get to choose and to even like realize that you can choose in those little moments. Cause these are often like internal thoughts that kind of can go on autopilot. Like you said, it's like, maybe it's not even yours. It's just kind of, you've internalized it. Like, so that is living within your subconscious. Like it's just like a reaction. So I, I really like that you drew the attention to the awareness step as the first step, because when you bring awareness to your thoughts, that distances you from that automatic thought and it gives you that power to choose. So yeah, awareness is a really powerful thing to also just practice as a mom. Yeah, it's essential, isn't it? It allows you to then choose differently, act differently, or do what you were going to do, but do it from a but like a more solid, grounded place. Yeah, yeah. What are responding instead of reacting? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What are some other strategies that you would suggest that soon-to-be moms use to prepare themselves for? the fourth trimester. Like you've talked about a number of them here. Is there anything specific or 
it doesn't even have to be a specific strategy, but any like, I don't know, global themes that we should be focusing on. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is the first thing that I always lead mums through. So I can share that here. Cause I think this is also a really fun way to prepare is to get clear on your newborn vision. So actually picture that time. Like you said earlier, we, you know, we pay, we put a lot of thought into birth plans or birth preferences and envision, you know, like, what do I want my birth to be like? I think it's really valuable to also have preferences and a vision for the newborn stage. And that's, you know, your vision for the newborn stage will be very different than your vision for three months down the line, like a year down the line. But this newborn stage, it's important to get clear for a couple of reasons. One, it's inviting in the possibility that you get to have a positive experience because I think so many mums either like don't think about it that much or just feel like the postpartum period doesn't have a great reputation. So if you could start to get clear on the things you could actually be excited about or look forward to, I think that is a really beautiful thing to start to get your mind on board with a positive experience and know that that's even possible for you. And then from there, there are also like, so that's like the first step is to, you know, daydream, like daydream, daydreaming is so fun. You can like daydream in like a realistic way too. It's not all just like, everything's just going to be like amazing, but you can, you can actually get excited about the parts of the newborn stage that would feel fun to you. Like you know, holding your baby and like, where's going to be your favorite spot to hold your baby in your living room? And like, how can you make that feel so cozy? And what kind of support network do you want around you? Like, do you want like a little intimate newborn bubble or do you want like more energy and a hustle and bustle kind of like vibe? Like what, what is going to feel good to you? Like, what do you picture housework looking like for that time. For me, I wanted to do none. So I'm like, how can I, you know, my husband can take over that. Like get clear on what the day-to-day could generally look like and what would actually feel really good and really supportive for you and your baby. Yeah. So that visualizing and that daydreaming is really useful. It's an interesting thing that I think as children we're told not to daydream but it's actually a really important skill. And I did a million years of psychology and really the only course that focused on visualization, they didn't call it daydreaming, they called it visualization, you know, it goes by a million different names, um, was the sports psychology course that I did in my master's. And people in sports use this all the time right? It's not totally fanciful, like you're saying. It's like thinking about what chair am I going to sit in? and How am I going to hold my baby? And who's going to do the cleaning? It's planning for the future in your mind. And people in sports do this all the time. So it's interesting that in psychology or in the adult world, we see this as almost a silly thing or not a very useful thing, but it can have so much impact. It prepares us. So we know, okay, I have to think about, I don't want to do the cleaning. 
when I have my baby? Well, I have to prepare for that. And I have to figure out, do I get a cleaner? Do I ask my husband? Do we divide up the different chores that we have? So it can be really, really helpful. And I love that you use this in your work because I think we could all benefit from using it a lot more. And it's a fun activity. All this work for, for um, improving our mindset and preparing us for like big life transitions, having babies or whatever it is, they don't have to be hard and they don't all have to be, yeah, just onerous tasks. They can be fun, right? Yeah. I love to bring the fun in because it is truly such an exciting time, you know, like it is so exciting. I know so many of us, you know, depending on your circumstance, but I would say like most of us are excited about this new chapter. So it's like, how can we like amplify that energy? Like how can we live in that kind of state more often? And I think, um, kind of like the next stages that you can go through after visualizing are more like the nitty gritty of like, okay, is there anything in my environment? Is there anything within me personally? Is there anything in my support network that would actually create a barrier for me to get to enjoy that? You know, like maybe, so for example, just to ground that on an individual level, like for us personally, like maybe we're prone to anxiety. Maybe we've had depression in the past. Like Maybe we anticipate that we're going to worry, you know, with our new baby. So that's maybe your clue that that's something you get to work on with yourself in pregnancy, right? Or the social environment. I always take like a multi-level approach and I've like created my whole program around that because there's us, but there's also our social network and our environments and our community. And there are things at each level that can either... um put our mental health at risk or protect it. So I love to focus on those like protective pieces and also get those like at risk pieces out of the way. And a big one that comes up in the social environment, there are two, there's your partner. So if you have a partner, um, I know so many moms worry about becoming disconnected or that part of their life, like changing for the worse, like when a baby comes around. So something I think is really valuable, especially if you worry about that is to also have a clear vision of your relationship and how you want that to look and start having conversations in pregnancy to help set yourself up for success in that way. Um, another thing is like family. And like, I've talked to so many moms and they're like, my parents or my in-laws have no boundaries. Like I just am dreading that part of the newborn stage when they just come over, just want to hold the baby don't even ask me how I am. Overstay there, welcome. So something else that you can start thinking about and putting in place in pregnancy are like boundaries. And that might be the first time we've ever had to do that with families. So those are like, you know, two of the levels that I take moms through, but your listeners can start really thinking about like what would be relevant to them to help them really protect their newborn vision that they want to create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking about that, that made me think about social support and a lot of mothers can feel lonely and isolated in the first few months, years of motherhood. What do you recommend mothers do in pregnancy to set themselves up to feel more supported and have more of 
I guess a tighter knit social circle around them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is this, you know, it is a vulnerable, like a special, precious time. So I think it's really important to think about like who are the people in your life? Like what are the friendships? Like who are the people that uplift you, you know? And like you can think of what those people are like. It's like the people you spend time with and you feel better after, you know, you're not feeling like more drained or whatever. And I think it's so possible. I think there's also a stigma of like you don't get to like keep your friendships or they just go on the back burner when you have your baby. But I think especially like your core friendships are something really amazing to be able to lean on, especially in the newborn stage. So for example, like something that I did that I set up in pregnancy and I know many other women do, um, but with their friends specifically is, is what I said earlier. It's like very a practical support. It's like, you know, tuning into yourself and be like, how would I like to be supported in the newborn stage? Like what would feel good for me? Like how could my friends actually help me? Cause I know so many friends are like, let me know if you need anything, but you don't, know necessarily in the time or like you feel bad asking so I'm like no no we need to get over that thing or fear or worry about bothering people when you actually take them up on the help that they're offering people love people want to help you right so I think that's really important to know um but you can ask your friends like when I have a baby like three or four days in or a week in or within the first two weeks whatever can you please like drop off a meal? And that is just so lovely and nurturing. And I feel like even asking friends to do this, because sometimes we ask family, but friends just kind of get it. Like, especially if it's a friend who's a mom already, they like, they know how to like socially be around you (laughs) in this time. They know to be like, I'm just going to drop it off at your door. I'm actually not going to come in. I'm going to text you. And then you don't have to worry about like if you're not visitors, like that's a non-issue, right? You've already discussed it ahead of time. It's not this awkward thing of like, ooh, like what if they want to come in and then I'm going to feel obligated, but I'm like feeling really emotional today and I don't want that, you know? If you discuss it ahead of time in pregnancy and come up with little plans like this with your friends, like they know exactly how to support you ahead of time and um, it's in a way that's actually helpful. And meals really are like the best presents at that time. You don't need another onesie for the child. You just so need true. food, right? Yes, healthy food too, because it's easy like with to grab like takeout and stuff. Um, but I found I was like lacking vegetables. So a friend dropped over a veggie tray from Costco and I was just like, oh my gosh, because then I had one-handed snacks for when I was feeding my baby and I like could actually have something healthy. Yeah, that's a good one. I've never thought of a veggie tray, but that's so simple. That's so doable. I'm going to do that. Yeah. So you also work with moms to support them to have like great pregnancies and amazing birth experiences. What are some of the helpful things that pregnant women can do to create the most positive pregnancy and birth experience for themselves? Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's actually pretty cool because so a lot of what we've actually talked about already, you know, like doing things like increasing your self-awareness, like, and doing things that are going to set you up to protect your mental health in the postpartum by integrating those in pregnancy or also just implementing them immediately. Like, so that's a lot of what I teach in pregnancy is embodiment work. So it's like 
actually integrating in their lives the things that make them feel better every day, the things that make them enjoy the present moment, like soak in the present moment. And it's so beautiful to anchor that in in pregnancy because I know so many pregnant women are like, I can't wait to meet the baby, but I never said that. Not because I wasn't so excited to meet my baby, but because I wanted, I value enjoying every stage that I'm in. So I just didn't even want to like, I didn't, that didn't really enter my mind. I was just like, I want to enjoy this stage now. And I think anchoring in that skill of presence, like feeling grounded and safe and joyful and where you are, that is something that is so doable to do in pregnancy, makes pregnancy even better. And you're embodying a skill that's going to help you in motherhood. Cause like they always say like time flies so fast and your babies grow so fast. So if you anchor in that skill and enjoying the present, enjoying where you are, you're going to carry that into motherhood with you as well. And, um, I want to, quickly touch on birth because I just I'm like such a nerd about prepping for birth and specifically preparing your subconscious for feeling good about birth and I have a whole little mini course around that actually because it just is so cool how we actually can transform any birth fear that we have and replace it with feeling excited, feeling grounded, like feeling confident going in, even if we've never given birth before. I want more moms to feel less afraid of birth and more on board with it, like more excited, more in touch with their bodies before they go in so that they have a more easeful experience. When you prepare your mindset for birth, you also experience less pain during childbirth, which is so wild because our bodies and our minds are just so linked in and interconnected in that way. So that's something else that mums can do and something that isn't really talked about that much um, about repro- reprogramming birth fear. So how do you do that? Like, is that just intentionally, I don't know, like, what do we do? Because you're saying subconscious. So what are yeah. your ways of doing that? Not that you have to give them all the way here, but give us a sneak peek. I'll definitely, yeah, I'll give you like the highlights. One of them, so when I first learned about hypnobirthing, that like really um, shifted how I view but viewed birth. And that also got me um, just like opening my mind to being like, oh, I can actually reprogram the program this fear that I have. And I knew it was like this subconscious fear that I had because when I thought about giving birth, I would kind of like tense up. So I like knew there was like a fear that was like living in my body. It was like this reaction, this automatic reaction. And I also just was so worried that I was going to have this moment of panic later in my pregnancy, just like, oh no, like I have to give birth to this baby. Like, and I just thought I was going to freak out basically. So then when I learned about hypnobirthing and the benefits of being calm, in labor and relaxed in labor. I was like, wait, that's even a thing? Like, I didn't know that. Like, and I also didn't really know. I hadn't heard too many positive birth stories. So I didn't even really know that that was something that would be possible for me. You know, I thought I had this low pain tolerance and that it was just going to be brutal and I would just kind of suffer through it. So when I learned that there are actually things we can do to not feel afraid about birth and to feel in control going in and um, to reduce pain, you know, basically using our minds. I was like, I want to do that. So I learned about hypnobirthing. And through that, I did hypnosis. 
on hypnobirthing uh, hypnosis. And I've linked um, my favorite ones in my program um, that I used. And it, I would just feel, and it was so cool because I would listen as I was uh, drifting off to sleep every night. And I think I started around like 28, 29 weeks pregnant with my first baby for this one. And then I did them again with my second baby because I just loved them so much. But I would drift off to sleep. And I just knew that that was, you know, reprogramming the negative beliefs that I had and replacing them with more positive, empowering beliefs about birth. So that was one of the things I did. Another thing you can do to reprogram uh, birth fear is listen to women's stories and like even like watch positive birth videos. And again, I've like collected my favorite resources and put those into my course. So if anyone's listening and like, I want to do this, like I can share with you the link to that mini course and um, you can take that. And it's just like getting your mind on board from these different ways from like listening to those audios, like listening to other women's stories, seeing with your eyes visually that a positive experience is possible for you. And then from like a more practical sense of like what you can physically do, it's practice relaxing your body at the thought of labor and uh, hypnosis helps with that. But also like breathing exercises, like meditation, like there are, there are all sorts of really cool tools that you can use to um, start to feel more confident about birth. And there, then there are also things you can do in labor as well to physically relax your body and to work with your contractions instead of resist against them. And that is really powerful for pain management, like naturally, whether you prepare, like whether you plan to have a natural birth or unmedicated birth, or if you plan to have an epidural, like you're still going to experience contractions before you have your epidural. So why not make them more efficient with your breath? Why not relax more in your breath and like not know what to do to not slow down labor, but to like keep it going. Yeah. There's such fear around so many things in birth, but contractions and the pain is one of them. But I don't remember at what point in my pregnancy, but somebody told me that they're there to get your baby out. They're there for you to work with. And I found that so helpful giving birth because as much as you'd rather not feel them, it at least I knew I was like, this is pain, not just because I've hurt myself. This is pain that is there to help me be motivated to do something, to help my body get my baby out. So I found that really helpful. And mm -hmm. yeah, hypnosis, that is such a powerful skill. I love all those suggestions. I listen to so many podcasts about positive birth experiences because mm -hmm. the moment you're pregnant, people start telling you, even if you're not pregnant, but you're just talking about possibly getting pregnant, people are already telling you horror stories so it's, true it's they're crazy. so quick to tell the horror stories but so they're quick. not quick to tell you the positive ones so we have to oh. seek them out yeah I remember maybe a year ago I was with friends and one was just saying like they're thinking about getting pregnant and immediately another friend started telling horror stories of other friends like it wasn't even their experience and I just had to cut in because I've been on that side, the receiving end, and I I wanted to like shut that down because I knew that wasn't what she needed at that moment. And I ended up telling her about like my birth experience because I had, in my mind, like I really had positive birth experiences and I want people to hear that message. 
So yeah, yeah those so, are great. It's so important. And I think as maybe it's like a, a thing as women too. It's like, we don't want to like seem like we're bragging or I don't know. It's like, there's something about like, oh, well, must be nice for you kind of thing. Like, oh, your baby sleeps, like must be nice. Like we're not sharing the things <laughs> that are like good in our lives and not necessarily as I don't know, it's comfortable for us to talk about somehow. It's like we've bonded over sharing the negative things for so long. It's sometimes become a bit out of balance. And I think with birth especially, that is one of them. So I really love that you took that opportunity to notice that that's not what your friend needed. And a positive example is something that could have benefited her because it's so, I found it so empowering and so exciting to know a positive experience was possible. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So we need well, to spread that. Yeah. There's many of those positive experiences out there. So based on these topics, I absolutely will have your courses in the show notes. And if you could uh, let us know what they're called, just in case people don't look at the show notes, but also do you have any other resources that you recommend new moms in to prepare for having a great pregnancy birth or postpartum is there any like book that you recommend um in terms of books my favorite book around childbirth was well I had two I had Ina May's Guide to Childbirth Mm -hmm. um and I also read the book Hypnobirthing the Mongan Method and that those books included some really positive experiences and they were all like natural births. So, but I think even if you're not planning a natural birth, that is just really empowering to read other women's stories and like instill that confidence that our bodies can do that and that, and that we can do it. And some of the mindset behind what can help you. And then in terms of postpartum, just for a free resource, I also I host a masterclass. I've just started running it, but it was, it went really well the last time. So I'm going to do it again and again. So I'm sure, you know, even if someone's listening to this down the road, they would be able to sign up. But I run a masterclass about how to prepare emotionally for postpartum and kind of outline the different steps that I teach my clients about like what you can start doing in pregnancy to, yeah, prepare your mental health. And what is that called? Um, that masterclass is called the Mindful Mama to Be Masterclass. And then my prep for birth program in terms of like your mindset is called My Lighter Birth. And then my signature program, my main program for pregnancy and postpartum, and I'm going to be adding to it, you know, so that it supports moms through the toddler years and the emotions of that, of that. And like, you know, basically every stage of motherhood, I'm so excited about this program, but it's called My Lighter Motherhood. Yeah, they all sound really useful. I I want to do them all and I wish I had done them <laughs> years ago. So before we wrap up, I just have a couple of questions that I ask guests at the end. One is how do you help kids or your kids to become lifelong veggie lovers? A bit off topic, but you know, as a parent, this is something we think about. Can you say that again? A lifelong what lovers? Veggie, like vegetable lovers. Oh, yeah. I like that question. <laughs> so my biggest thing is to just make it totally normal and not even a topic of conversation when it comes to veggies. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, just make it a normal part of life, right? 
So one other question is, what do you do to support your kids' emotional development? One of the biggest things, besides what we talked about in this episode, which is all about like modeling that for myself, like I'm always challenging myself to, you know, get better at regulating my own emotions, get better at feeling safe with the uncomfortable emotions and holding space for those within myself. Um, I think we're so prone and I'm even prone to like want to just skip over those and just go right to the good ones, right? So I think having those skills for myself where I can actually make a bit of space for those emotions when they pop up, let them tell me what they want, tell me and, you know, help myself move through them. That's the first thing I do to support my kids is actually just support myself so that I can do that for them. And then the second one is be like that calm, nurturing presence that is like listens to them as well and like makes that space for them, especially when they're going through their big emotions, whether it's the baby when he was crying or like now the toddlers who, you know, like cry or like fall on the floor because I like opened the cheese string package too far for them, like whatever it is, right? (laughs) I just like always practice like holding space for them and staying calm when they're not because that helps them also co-regulate. And yeah, I just want to teach them how to safely move through those emotions and feel empowered to be able to do that for themselves. And it takes a lot of repetition. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's rewarding, but it's a lot of self-work and it's a lot of intentional work in the moment, isn't it? Staying patient Mm -hmm. and recognizing why you're doing it, but those are beautiful things. And your kids are going to have a completely different experience of emotions than so many other kids because of it. So keep doing it. Mm, Thank you. And any final words that you'd like to share with us? Anything that I didn't ask that you really wanted to say? No, I just want, you know, the moms or moms to be listening that positive experience is possible for them. And it doesn't mean they're not going to experience any hardships or any challenges or anything out of their control that pops in but when they are just like rock solid in themselves and just even have that intention to just have their own back I think that is just so powerful and makes you move through the harder times more quickly so that you get to like overwhelmingly have a positive experience yeah beautiful Well, before I let you go, can you let the listeners know where they can find you on socials and your website so they can sign up for your programs because they sound just so necessary? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I hang out mostly on Instagram at My Light Away. I also do have TikTok as of recently. So also My Light Away. And um, my website is uh, mylightaway.com and for my masterclass so that free masterclass for pregnancy around how to protect your mental health going into postpartum it's mylightaway.com forward slash masterclass and for my my lighter motherhood program it's um, mylightaway.com forward slash my lighter motherhood and I'm pretty sure my birth one is also 
mylighterway.com forward slash mylighterbirth. But I'll give you all of those and yeah, you can put them in the show notes. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think that listeners are going to gain so much from what you've shared with us. So thank you for the work that you do and for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wild and Well podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please share with like-minded mothers. A review wherever you listen to your podcast is greatly appreciated as it helps to get the show out to even more mothers and families. Together we can nurture thriving kids, vibrant moms, and a brighter future for the next generation. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast is intended as educational in nature and is for informational purposes only. It is not personal health advice or indicative of a therapeutic relationship, and it should not be used to prevent, diagnose, or treat health problems. If any of the information in this podcast resonates with you, consult a qualified healthcare practitioner to discuss what works best for you in your unique situation.